Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator of The Last Symptom and the host. The Last Symptom was originally called The Last Symptom of Borderline Personality Disorder. How many of you folks remember that way back at the beginning? In fact, uh, that's how I'd open up the show. The Last Symptom of Borderline Personality Disorder. You had to get that uh, pacing just right or (laughs) it wouldn't roll off the tongue just right. With time, I realized that this title alienated people who might not specifically be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, but who could benefit from my work all the same. And for that reason, now I just go by the last symptom, which is uh, shorter and sweeter. To give you a quick rundown about me, I personally lived with borderline personality disorder for the first 35 years of my life without knowing that I had such a thing as as an emotional disorder. When my life fell apart directly as a result of having borderline personality disorder, I lost my wife, I lost my home, I lost my friends, my dog, and uh, yes, even my dog. I mean, my life turned into a regular country western song. It was when all of these consequences happened really back to back like that that the pain from the experience caused me to really investigate my emotional issues in a fully genuine way for the very first time. So it took me about seven years, but I eventually authentically rid myself of that emotional disorder once and for all. You know, I described uh, not too long ago, I described the experience of. Uh, my recovery as like a seven-year-long Rubik's Cube (laughs) trying to solve a Rubik's Cube that took me seven years you know trying to get all those collars and blocks to match up and until I had a uh, a fully comprehensive and cohesive understanding of the of the thing in its entirety so now I try to use the countless insights that I gained from my own experience to aid others in doing this same sort of work for themselves. And that brings me to very short announcements I'm going to make here. I usually spend more time on these, but uh, uh, not going to do it this week. I just want to tell you about thelastsymptom.com. That's my website full of free resources that I hope you'll take advantage of. There are some paid resources, too, there that... uh, enabled me to continue doing this work week after week. So why don't you run over to thelastsymptom.com and take a nice long gander at the uh, 
the free resources and the paid resources there are some very very beneficial things there i'd like you to consider if uh, those resources are not exactly what you or somebody you care about needs i want to invite you to join the last symptom community on the locals platform so the way you can do that is you can go to thelastsymptom.locals.com or download the locals.com app from the app store to, to your phone and search for the last symptom now about last week's show i kind of well i didn't really stick my foot in my mouth but i i kind of inadvertently got onto a subject that uh had the potential to alienate people and some may have misunderstood what i was talking about at the beginning of last week's show about the covid vaccine so let me just clarify what i was referring to and what i was not referring to first of all i i should have just never waded into that discussion at all i should i should have known it would be a minefield and wouldn't serve any constructive purpose as far as the last symptom related stuff goes but since i already jumped myself into this mess i might as well try to clear up any misunderstanding about what i was not saying here's the bottom line i don't care if you get vaccinated for coronavirus or not <laughs> i really don't uh, it's none of my business one way or the other that's the way i look at it except in one single situation which i'm about to tell you about and it was this one single situation that I was really, my commentary was about last week. Uh, one person, for example, told me that her body is sensitive and that she's allergic to all sorts of things and that she's always had bad reactions with vaccines. Well, heck, if, if I were in her shoes, I'd probably hesitate to get the COVID vaccine too but you don't have to uh, feel like you need to defend your decisions to me because again I don't care one way or the other whether you get vaccinated or not I, I honestly and truly do not it's none of my business I wasn't commenting on just the average person out there making a personal decision for himself or herself about whether or not to get one of these vaccines I, I honestly could not care less whether you do or don't except and this was what I was making a comment on last week which I should have just kept my big old mouth shut about except in the case of those of you who were pushing masks down my throat all last year you see if you're one of those people and now you have a chance to get vaccinated but you just won't I do have a problem with that what's good for the goose is good for the gander do you understand the blind hypocrisy of those who with emotional fanatical fervor dogmatically spent all last year preaching endlessly to others about how selfish they were for not being thrilled with the idea in a free society of being forced to wear masks but these same people now have an opportunity to get vaccinated and some of them simply won't 
the entire premise of their argument for forced mask wearing supposedly had to do with some sort of totally selfless altruistic interest in other people's welfare do you remember that so while the scientific jury is still out on whether masks ever truly made a difference not whether you're just convinced they did or not but whether the science proves that they, that it did while the scientific jury is still out on that there's little question that getting vaccinated is the only real way to demonstrate concern for other people's welfare in a non-superficial way you know a vaccinated public means the end of the pandemic for all intents and purposes so if masks were that important to you and uh, you were outspoken and adamant about forcing your feelings and your conclusions on other people all last year well i think it's uh high time you get your ass into some place and get yourself vaccinated don't you but you know on the other hand if you were just one of those people who recognized and respected my inherent right to make my own decisions about masks for myself well then that's exactly what i'm giving back to you when it comes to the vaccines i recognize your inherent right to come to your own conclusions on it and i don't care one way or another which decision you come to i really don't i'm all vaccinated up so i'm good i'm already walking around fearlessly without any mask whatsoever shopping dining enjoying life so really my only complaint there was with people the the hypocrites who uh, who think that the conditions that they created last year now don't apply to them i do have a problem with that so some bad news here my friend lambert called me just about an hour ago just as i was sitting down to begin to record this show and he said i got some bad news for you buddy i said oh uh oh all right let me have it he said uh, jared snyder one of your first cousins was found dead today old jared grew up out there in the woods with me for a while until his parents got divorced and their lives sort of fell apart he's the same age as my brother uh, four years younger than me and he's a twin uh, his twin brother is Jay they're identical twins um, boy we had all kinds of fun with that on the school bus and at school when they were growing up doing all sorts of ornery things you know confusing the teachers <laughs> things of that nature Jared um, I can tell you was a very very hard worker he had a very kind heart years ago while I was still living in Philadelphia he and his wife had just had a new baby and they were living on a curve on a a state route road uh, right on a curve there and one night a car lost control there and went um, flying through their wall and the car entered the bedroom where the baby was sleeping uh, landed inside that room with the baby trapped underneath of it trapped underneath the car and Jared went running in there and of course the mom did too they were both terrified 
and by by a sheer miracle the baby did not get even a scratch on it the car the way it landed um, and the way it pushed the baby out of the crib I guess the debris and everything just kind of created a nest for the baby and the baby just come to rest with the engine block of that car just inches away from that poor baby's little head that was just a miraculous miraculous that that baby did not uh, get hurt and I remember seeing a news clip of Jared on the news and uh, he was telling that story to the reporter and then he just couldn't contain himself he broke down it was that uh, terrifying what else can I tell you about my cousin Jared did I, I he's one of my first cousins what I'm what I mean by that is those of you in in the city you probably don't put much importance on first cousin second cousin third cousins twice removed and all that but we do and uh, so to be a first cousin kind of illustrates that they're much 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 closer to you than say like a fourth or fifth cousin another memory I have of Jared we we had this thing down in the woods we called the dirt hill it was a cliff and uh, we would swing on vines from that cliff out over the holler and um, we'd get into fights see who could knock who off this cliff but it was a dirt cliff so there wasn't a real serious risk of getting seriously hurt you know by rocks or anything like that but we were having a contest us boys standing on the edge of that dirt hill down down deep in the deep in the woods and uh, what we were trying to do and those of you who have been little boys before in your life can probably identify that with this we were trying to see who could pee the furthest off the edge of this dirt cliff and so we were all standing there peeing out as far as we could and to get more distance we were tilting ourselves back you know tilting our penises back to get as much distance on that pee stream as we could and he was trying so hard that he tilted himself back too far and ended up peeing in his eye in his own eyeballs and man it must have been painful because he went into fits screaming about how much it burned and he ended up falling off the side of that hill <laughs> with his pants down his wiener hanging out and everything that was funny we talked about that for many years well as i said there come a time when uh, jared's parents my aunt and uncle they got a divorce and life changed forever for those kids their mom my aunt um, at a time in their lives where when they really needed parental guidance uh, the only thing she was interested in it seemed like was running around with different men never paying attention to the kids kids just run free and you know their dad wasn't uh, doing much better uh, I reckon he got into some things he shouldn't have got into and uh just very selfish the parents were very selfish they they showed more concern about their own lives and their own cares than um, providing these kids with direction and stuff and so because of their very disordered parents and the very disordered life they had been thrust into 
all of these boys have battled many demons over the years uh, Jared he uh, seemed to clean up his life there for a while got religious and uh, seemed to be doing real well working hard taking care of his family but remember how I always tell you that nothing can mask over foundation issues that have never been identified and resolved. You can't just white knuckle it and expect long-term success. You can sometimes expect short-term success, but not long-term success. Not as long as these foundation pains and um, insecurities and issues have been addressed. So you can't mask over you can't mask over these things you can't mask it over with religion you can't mask it over with winning the lottery you can't mask it over with marrying the perfect person quote unquote or moving to your favorite city or nothing nothing will mask long term what is beneath all that and unresolved so a while back both he and his brother who seemed to also be doing pretty good they both kind of dropped off the map and those of us who know them have seen and heard little to nothing about them over the last couple years so I don't have the details yet about what happened here to my cousin Jared but I figure the details will start filtering in shortly maybe even this evening but um, what I fear might be the cause of his death is an overdose now I don't again I don't know that for sure I, that's just what I fear so probably by the next time I do this show I, I'll be able to tell you that for sure or not anyway it's very tragic and uh, I'm missing my cousin Jared tonight he was, a, he was a good boy let's get into today's topics how do I avoid triggering quote unquote a woman with emotional disorder and wishing I never spoke. Well, I think I might have had this discussion with you folks at one point, but it's been a long time if I did, and I'm not certain that I ever did, so I might as well have it with you now. How do I avoid triggering a woman with emotional disorder and wishing I never spoke? Have you ever seen the film Lawrence of Arabia from 1962? Well, in my opinion... Lawrence of Arabia is one of the greatest films ever made. There's a famous scene in the movie, which is pretty much the answer to this entire question. Lawrence has just put out a match with his bare fingers in front of the other guys, and they're impressed. As Lawrence grabs his hat and holster and starts to leave, one of the other fellers, he takes a match out, strikes it, and gives it a go himself. He pinches the the match head with his fingers and he cries out, Oh, it damn well hurts, he says. And he's fluttering his hand about in pain there. Certainly it hurts, says Lawrence. Well, what's the trick then, the soldier says. And that's when Lawrence utters his famous line, the trick, William Potter, is not minding that it hurts. 
So it's important to realize that the question here, how do I avoid triggering a woman, is an attempt to learn how to control another human being. And I understand that on the surface that might seem like an outrageously dramatic statement, but it's not. You see, if you've explained yourself to her honestly, with no intent to offend, your part is done. How she reacts to what you have said is her business, not your business. This involves the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. That's a name I come up with, and if you'd like to know more about that, you just go through the episodes of this show until you find it, or through the uh, article library there at thelastsymptom.com. But the, uh, the fundamental issues here involve that, the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority, where they begin, where they end for each individual, and having an unambiguous understanding of that boundary. You see, emotional disorder or not, the woman in question has the inherent right to react to anything in any manner that she will, whether you like it or not. You also have that same inherent right, by the way. You, you have the right to not like how she reacts. You have the right to entirely remove her influence from your life altogether to cease communication with her, to overlook it, to bear it, whatever fits within your individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority, which is anything involving your behavior and choices, that's what you've got to work with. What you do not have a right to do is attempt to manipulate in any way her feelings or behavior, even when you feel like your manipulation will result in a more desirable behavior from her according to your desires. Because once you've done this, in effect, what you are doing, are you're trying to leave your circle in the sand and step over into hers, and that's a violation. So your only part to play is in how you will react to her reaction. Do you see that? This is where respect for other people as individuals comes in. Respect for other people as individuals and as human beings with the same rights, responsibility, and authority that you inherently have over yourself. So her reaction, that's her. It's got nothing to do with you. You don't have any right to decide how she should react. But you you do have a right to decide how you will react to her reaction. Regardless, the secret to your happiness is being content with what you do. It's not worrying about or trying to manipulate what she does or how she does it. In other words, the trick, William Potter, is not minding if she gets pissed and blames you for everything. As long as you're respecting the line in the sand where your inherent rights, responsibility, and authority end, being content to focus your attention there, this shouldn't be too hard. And once you learn the principles I'm talking about here and can visualize them clearly, it's very liberating. You see, it's liberating 
to let go of what was never yours to have a grip on in the first place. Infinitely more constructive than the alternatives. By the way, I just got this uh, notice on my phone come in here. I might as well share it with you. Uh, Locals says, you're invited. Locals creator says, uh, hey, Locals creator, I'm reaching out today to invite you to our first Locals creator call. If If you're not aware, my main social media community is located on the Locals platform, which I think I mentioned earlier. Anyway, the email goes on to say, this is an exclusive invitation to join a call with our top creators. We want to use this opportunity to share the future direction of Locals. After all, we wouldn't be here without you. We are seeing a shift in the creator economy. While big tech platforms leverage content creators to grow, we see our relationship with the creators on Locals as a partnership. This group of free thinkers is forging the path for a new type of internet, and we feel lucky to have you be a part of this journey with us. So we hope you can join our meeting and gives me the dates and the times and everything. Very nice of them. And very nice of them to uh, consider the Last Symptom community one of their valued communities. I'm, I'm very pleased with that. All right, on to the next topic here today. I use the calendar app on my phone as a sort of journal. Do you do this? So here's how it works. For any relevant event, even those that uh, don't directly involve me, but that I want to remember, I create an event in my calendar on my phone, and then I have it repeat yearly so I can remember the precise anniversary of that thing. Then I go into the app and create detailed notes as well as my personal thoughts around that thing. I do think that anybody who would get to sit down with my calendar app for a day would be fascinated and entertained because it's full of uh, strange stories, tragic stories, funny stories, interesting stories, and they're all real. Recently, my calendar showed me a reminder with the title, Sad Day, Weber Family, and I thought that I'd share this particular one with you. So here are the notes directly from my calendar, and I'm withholding first names to preserve these people's privacy. It says, today is a sad day for the Weber family in my hometown. April 13th, 1986, Big Brother Weber and his family lost little brother Weber in an ATV accident. For those of you who don't know, an ATV is an all-terrain vehicle, and in 1986, the most popular example of these in my area were something we called three-wheelers. They had two large wheels in the back and only one large wheel in the front, along with handlebars, sort of like those of of a motorcycle. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't even know if three-wheelers are a thing anymore, since this wheel arrangement made them unusually prone to tip over. I think that for safety, the three-wheelers eventually gave way to four-wheelers. My notes go on. Both Weber boys rode my school bus, and I remember clearly when this event happened. The parents were away from the house, and they had given the children explicit instructions to not ride the ATVs while they were away. The children ignored these instructions 
and younger brother Weber was killed when he tried riding the ATV up a large embankment and the ATV flipped backwards, landing on top of him. It, it killed him. This story is tragic for a lot of reasons, but especially for one reason that I discuss in depth in the last symptom fundamentals course involving responsibility, identifying where it belongs and where it does not belong. When I was a little kid and this situation with the Webbers was playing out, I was awfully judgmental toward the older brother. He was probably 12 years old at the time, while his younger brother, the one who died, was probably about eight. And I looked at the older brother as having been responsible for this tragic accident. I, I didn't like him much, to be honest with you. I didn't like either one of them too much. They were kind of jerks. So that didn't help. But I, I did look at the older brother as, as having been responsible for that tragic accident, even though my heart did go out to him. Mind you, this was before I had ever studied or understood how responsibility works or the reasons for identifying concretely who it belongs to in various circumstances. It was authentic recovery that forced me to look into the subject of responsibility very closely and to examine it fully. And one major epiphany I had during that time is that children are never responsible for themselves. As long as children are children, that is to say, as long as they are dependents, that's the legal term, and it's, uh, it's not a coincidence that the legal term is dependent because it means that they exist in a state of dependency on others for their emotional, mental, mental and physical needs. You see, because they haven't reached their full development as human beings to be able to adequately and healthfully manage these things for themselves. They don't, they don't even have the capacity. So because they, they have not even grown to have that capacity yet, children are absolutely not responsible for anything in life. And what this means in real-life practical terms is that everything children do, everything they fail to do, everything that happens to them, and everything that they are neglected from having happened to them, all of these things are the inherent responsibility of not the children, but of their adult caretakers. Now think about that poor big brother Weber. Think about the burden of shame he might still be carrying now over his brother's death. Surely it's something that affected him greatly then and may even continue to affect him now. And here's the, the saddest thing about it. It's an unnecessary burden. It's never been his to carry. The responsibility for his little brother's death only belonged to two people, the parents. They were the only adults in the equation. Big Brother Weber, a 12-year-old, was never responsible for another human being's care and safety, no matter if it was his own brother or not, and no matter if he was a few years older or not. A child, a dependent minor, 
who does not possess the full developmental capacities to skillfully and insightfully take care of even his own needs cannot possibly be responsible for doing so for another child. It's true that the parents told the boys not to play with the ATVs while they were gone, but this does not free the parents from the responsibility of the terrible accident that later happened. You see, it wasn't simply their responsibility to tell the children not to do it. It was in fact their responsibility to ensure that the boys couldn't do it even if they tried. So it was the parents responsibility to ensure that the ATVs could not be accessed by 9 and 12 year old boys. It's no different than, than if the parents had a loaded gun sitting on the table in the kitchen which they just left there accessible but then told the children not to play with it while they were away. My heart goes out to Big Brother Weber and I hope that he's come to let go of the burden of his brother's death over the years and to recognize that he was only a child at that time and that the responsibility for that terrible accident was never his. If there are any tremendous burdens that you are carrying around from childhood it would be beneficial for you to start meditating on the principles of responsibility along with the nature of human development and also the principles of capacity versus ability so that you can dump years worth of weight from off of your shoulders in an instant. You see responsibility is based on our capacities as human beings. Capacity refers to a possibility that exists within you whether you're able to do that thing right now or not. For example, I have the capacity to speak German, but I don't have the ability to speak German because I've never learned. Even so, I do possess that capacity, that possibility does exist within me. If something is beyond our capacities, what that means is that we could not do it no matter what, no matter how much time and effort we might spend, it's just not a possibility for us. Breathing underwater without any sort of gear, for example, that's just simply far beyond our capacities as human beings. So it wouldn't be reasonable then to hold a person responsible for something that involves breathing underwater. Let's say that I ask you to swim down to the bottom of the ocean, take a nap down there on the ocean floor, and, and you, you just can't do it. It's not that you're just unable. You are not capable of doing that. So, do you see how matters of responsibility are powerfully and directly tied into the realities of capacity versus ability? A person who lacks the capacity for a thing, meaning that they couldn't do that thing even if they wanted, because it's totally beyond what they are capable of as a human being at this point in their development, well then they can't be held responsible for that thing that they are incapable of doing. As human beings we can only reasonably be held responsible for things we are capable of. And you know it's this reason why you and I 
can hold our parents responsible for not having parented us healthfully. Whether they had the ability to do so or not is totally irrelevant. What is relevant is that they possessed the capacity to do so. This means that they could have parented us healthfully if only they had cared more to do so. They possessed the capacity to parent us healthfully. But right now, the more important point I'm trying to make is that children are human beings who have not yet reached their full development. In other words, the capacities you enjoy now as a 30, 40, 50-year-old adult are not the same capacities you possessed as a 12-year-old child. You were still in the process of developing, you see. So the things that you can rightfully be held responsible for now at this stage in your life as an adult free agent are not in any way within the same ballpark as the things you could be held responsible for as a child. And this is a tough point for some people to come to grips with. You see, we have always been us. We have always been ourselves. So there may be some things we look back on that happened in our early years that we kick ourselves over. We may say things in to ourselves in our heads like, I should have known better. Why did I do that? I was so stupid. But that's not really fair, is it? It's not fair for you as a 40-year-old adult to look back at yourself as a child and expect for that child to have known what you know now. To have been able to make decisions based on the experience that you now have. Or for that child to have the insight and wisdom that you now get to work with. You see, that's not reasonable and it's not fair. The reality is that all of your mistakes as a child were your parents' responsibility. All the dumb things you did were your parents' responsibility. Any bad thing that happened to you as a child, that was your parents' responsibility. As I mentioned earlier, if you spend plenty of time meditating deeply on the principles governing matters of responsibility, human development, and capacity versus ability, and if these puzzle pieces all come together for you harmoniously, you will see that almost any weight or burden you carry from childhood can be discarded. Those burdens never belong to you. And I hope Big Brother Weber come to this realization also at some point since 1986. Folks, uh, I had more to talk about, but I'm going to save it for next week. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I um, hope you're taking care of yourself, treating yourself nice. Uh, I hope you're being more compassionate and understanding with yourself than anybody else will be. It starts with you, you know, and uh, interestingly, the amount of patience and compassion and kindness you're willing to show yourself will strongly affect how much patience and understanding and compassion you're also willing to extend to other people. So it's no small thing. As the weekend's approaching, think of something nice you can do for yourself, even if it uh, is just taking a walk or a hot bath or listening to some music or maybe looking through the old f photo album. Uh, just some ideas for you. Uh, this is Brian Barnett signing off. I, I do hope you have a wonderful week. I'll see you next week right here. Mm -hmm.